at 3 o'clock this morning. I just want God's will. I just want the mind of God. Amen. You being in church at midnight ain't going to change you one bit if the Spirit of God don't do something in you. It ain't going to change. It ain't going to help you one bit to be in church. My God, if that's the case, we'll just lock the doors and leave you here for a week. Y'all think just being in church will help you? We'll just lock you in. Then I'll come back and preach to you next week. And just being in church, sitting here will help you. Then y'all be ready for me to preach to you by then. Does anybody feel good tonight? Nobody? Man, I feel I, I feel good all over more than anywhere else. <laughs> Hallelujah. From Genesis, the first chapter. Verse 26. Y'all with me? Got your pads? Got your writing tablets? God said, let us make man. Verse 26. 1 and 26. God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now, I'm going to do my best to take my time. Uh, I'm not as structured as Brother Cromer. I noticed uh, when he preached, man, he just stays on track. Me, I feel the anointing hit me, and I get all excited, and I just go everywhere. But I'm going to tell you, I was watching him last night, and I said, Lord, I need some of that structure that that man's got just slow. So I'm going to tell you something. It took about 30, 40 minutes for that word to really kick in last night. And, buddy, when it kicked in, everything come loose. I mean, it come loose. But I'll say one thing for him. He stayed on track. And this is, uh, I'm going to have to say some things and make some points. And y'all just going to have to work with me. And like I said, if you don't believe it, then that's up to you. But God showed me years ago that the creation you know, everybody says God created everything in six days and the seventh day God rested. Yeah, He did. Six of His days, but His days ain't our days. The Bible says a th- one day is with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is just one day. So creation took six thousand of our years. It took 6,000 of our years. And I'll show you a scripture here in just a minute. But, you know, uh, a generation, which is what God is dealing with me on, is a chosen generation. But what I'm preaching on tonight is a Jesus generation. But a generation in the Bible, most men in Bible days didn't marry till they were 40 years old. So a generation in Bible days was a period of about 40 years. Amen? 
Today it can be 30 to 40 years. But in Bible days, they looked at a generation as about 40 years. So if you're thoroughly convinced that God created the heavens and the earth in six of our days, then take this scripture right here in Genesis, the second chapter, and chew on it a little bit. Are you with me? Genesis 2 and verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created. Now, if it had just been one generation, it had been 40 years. But it wasn't just one. Here it says, these are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day, one of God's days, that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Amen? That ought to help you right there. But I'm laying a groundwork for something. So stay with me. Stay with me. Okay, I want to go back to the first chapter of Genesis. And I'm just going to hit some high points here. Genesis 1 and 11. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind. Whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Go down to verse 21. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind. And every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures after his kind. Cattle and creeping things and beast of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. The point I'm making here is everything God created, and it reproduced, it brought forth of the seed that was in it, and it brought forth after its own kind. Are y'all following me? It brought forth everything God created. He caused it to reproduce. And when it reproduced, it reproduced after its own kind. Amen? It reproduced. Uh, the fruit tree, the apple trees produced apples. And that seed in there grew other apple trees. The uh, whales produced whales. Are you listening to me? Everything brought forth after its own Kind. I said after its own kind. Now, I want you to jump with me to the Gospel of Luke, the third chapter. And I'm just going to read one verse. Luke 
Y'all there with me? Luke 3, the very last verse, 38. Which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Do I need to read that again? I said, do I need to read that again? Which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Hallelujah. Now. <laughs> Y'all better hang with me. When God created man, he made him on the sixth day. God brought all the animals to man somewhere in that sixth day. Because that sixth day was a thousand years. Even if you believe it was one of our days, there ain't no way God could have created Adam, created all the animals, and brought them to Adam and had him name them in a 24-hour time period. The Bible said God created Adam, all the animals, all the beasts of the field. They brought them to Adam, and Adam named them. And whatsoever he called them, that's what they were. So these scientists ain't named nothing. Adam named everything in the beginning. So let's say long about 550 years into the sixth day that God made Eve. Brought her to Adam. So Adam and Eve lived 500 years together on that sixth day. On the seventh day, God rested, which was another thousand years. So Adam didn't sin until after the seventh day, and we don't know how long they lived after that seventh day until they disobeyed God. So they lived at least 1,500 years. What commandment? Did God give Adam and Eve when he created them? Replenish the earth. Be fruitful and multiply. I'm going somewhere with this. So, I believe, whether you believe it or not, it's up to you. I believe Adam and Eve conceived and brought forth children before the fall. Before Cain and Abel, and everything that Adam and Eve produced was not in Adam's image, but it was in the image of God. It was in the image of God. So when Adam brought forth a son, it didn't come forth as a son of Adam. It came forth as a son of God. I said it came forth as a son of God. Why? Adam was created in the image and likeness of God. And everything God created that reproduced, it brought forth after its kind. Therefore, Adam and Eve was created in the image of God. And everything they brought forth had to be in the image of God. Hallelujah. Any of y'all believe there's going to be sons of God in these last days? Well, there was sons of God in the first days. I said there was sons of God in the first days. 
Hallelujah. I asked somebody a question the other day. I said, where'd Cain's wife come from? He said, I don't know. I said, well, I'll tell you. <laughs> Y'all staying with me? Don't try to make this fit what you've been taught. Listen. Listen. Amen. Everything Adam and Eve produced, till they disobeyed God, they brought it forth in the nature of God. Why? That was their nature. There was no evil in them. There was no ungodliness in them. There was no unholiness in them. Are you listening? They had no knowledge of evil. They did not have a carnal mind. They were brought forth in the fullness of God. Just like Adam and Eve were created. I'm going to show you here in a minute. Hallelujah. And, and so I explained to them uh, where uh, Cain's wife come from. And then I gave him this scripture right here. Go to Genesis 6 chapter. Oh, I feel good. <laughs> I feel good. I said, Brother Matter, you're off the deep end. You done lost me. I can't help that. I'm tired of preaching about Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. I'm tired of wandering around in the wilderness. Tired of wandering around the wilderness. I'm ready to see God's people go over and possess the blessings of God, the possessions that God has promised us, the fullness of God, the authority, and the dominion over all His creation. I want to go, I ain't looking to go back to Azusa Street. I ain't looking to go back to Pentecost. I'm looking to go back, my God, to where I'm made after God's kind. I'm made after God's kind. That I'm created in His image and in His likeness. Paul said in Romans 8 29, that I was predestined uh, and foreordained uh, to be conformed uh, to His image. Uh, not up there, down here. Uh, down here, uh, I'm predestined uh, and foreordained uh, to be birthed uh, into His image. Hallelujah. Y'all handle me? Y'all with me? Genesis 6 and 1. Now I know Brother Cromer going to have a good time. <laughs> and it came to pass when the men began to multiply on the face of the earth. Daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men, that they were fair and they took them wives of all they chose. Y'all see what that second verse says? That the sons of God. You know what the church world has taught people them sons of God was? Fallen angels. The angels that sinned. Let me tell you something. Angels were never sons of God. The only son of God that God's ever made lower than the angels was his son that he conceived in the womb of Mary. Angels are not sons of God. Well, who are these sons of God? The children that Adam and Eve birthed before they disobeyed God. The children they birthed. What were they made in the image? in likeness of God uh, were 
God is taking me and you. He's taking me and you. He's taking us into that nature, that image, that authority, that dominion. We are going to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. How many people in here believe the sons of God's ministry in the last days is coming for? Let me see your hands. How y'all think it's going to get here? How you think it's going to get here? Y'all think it's going to show up? No, it's a process. I'm going to show you a process here in a minute. I'm going to show you a process here in a minute. Y'all going to think Brother Matter had lost Every bit of common sense he ever had. Probably have. <laughs> and the Lord, verse 3. The Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with men, for that he also is flesh, or man. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that which the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, they bear children to them. The same became, became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Now, this is what I'm going to put in your head tonight. This is what you're going to have to figure out and wrestle with. Everybody knows that Eve disobeyed God. Everybody knows that Adam went right behind her. So, have you ever stopped and thought what happened to Adam when he disobeyed God? Have you ever stopped and thought what place with God that left him? Have you ever stopped? Because, see, we just, we just think God just kicked Adam to the curb. Let me tell you something. Adam disobeyed God, but God no more kicked Adam to the curb than he'd kick me and you to the curb for being disobedient. What happened to Adam and Eve? The carnal mind came alive. That started that enmity uh, against God uh, but all of the knowledge wisdom uh, power and authority and dominion uh, that had been placed in Adam uh, it was still there in a measure uh, it was still there uh, he might have been disobedient uh, but he was still a son of God uh, he had been birthed uh, as son of God uh, and just because he disobeyed uh, God did not automatically strip him uh, down from everything uh, are you listening to me. He did not strip him down. Yes, God chastened him. God judged him. But Adam was still a son of God. And everything he had produced. Some of y'all sitting there just looking at me. You're just looking at me. Hallelujah. Glory. Y'all just go ahead and turn that off. Y'all going to get everybody's attention up there. I don't want their attention on that. I appreciate y'all trying to get it up. Let me find what I'm looking for. Genesis 4.
Genesis 4 and verse 1. And Adam knew his wife. And she conceived and bare Cain. And said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. See why? He still had them God tendencies. He still had some of that image, that nature, that mind. Man, everything Adam had just didn't leave him. Just because the carnal mind kicked in. If it did, then every time we disobey God, everything we gained in God, it's just going to leave us. And we're going to have to go back to square one, start all over. Thank you, but no thank you. I said thank you, but no thank you. I don't believe God's going to punish us, Brother Michael, that every time we mess up or make a mistake, God's going to take every ounce of knowledge and revelation and word uh, that he's put in us, uh, snatch it out of us, uh, and put us back to square one. Uh, He said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Why? She recognized. She recognized that presence of God. She was still, Adam was still in that mind, that frame. Though they were like us now, they was battling the carnal mind, but they still had a presence of God. Why? That's what they were created in. Oh, I'm messing with y'all. I can tell. So what are you trying to do? Wake you up. Make you realize we don't know what we think we know. God said, eyes have not seen, ear hath not heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that I have prepared. Uh, those that wait on me, one prophet said. The other said, them that love me. I've been waiting on God. I've been waiting on God. Hallelujah. I said, I've been waiting on God. Go with me to Genesis 5. Whoa, hallelujah. My God, I feel good. Hallelujah. Why? Because I know just as much as God I had sons of God in the beginning. He's going to have some sons of God now. Hallelujah. But see, we ain't going to be as vulnerable as Adam was. Adam didn't know warfare. He didn't know the carnal mind. She didn't know the subtlety of Satan. She didn't know how smooth and underhanded. Let me tell you something. That was a seducing spirit. She caused her to disobey God. And she didn't think there would be any consequence. If she had thought what would happen, happen. She would have never disobeyed God. But Satan persuaded her. That's a seducing spirit. That's what a religious spirit does it persuades you to disobey God to break God's word and you will not know that there's consequences till you've done it when a seducing spirit works in a man or a woman in the natural they get persuaded to do things that are wrong not worried about the consequence. Don't think there'll be any consequence. Are you listening to me? Satan is evil. He's a deceiving, seducing spirit. Why do you think people are caught up in the mess they're caught up in? The Bible said in the last days, seducing spirits will what? Wax worse and worse. 
He ain't talking about your spirits of a sexual nature. He's talking about the same spirit that spoke and deceived Eve. Deceived her from that place. Deceived her and caused her to fall from that very image and nature of God. But she didn't lose all of it. Y'all listening to me? The carnal mind kicked in. Started that warfare. And then they became like me and you. That carnal mind became enmity against God. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, verse 5, chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of the generations in the, of Adam. In the day that God created man in the likeness of God, made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them. And call their name Adam in the day when they were created. Look at verse 3. And Adam lived a hundred and thirty years and beget a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. A hundred and thirty years had Cain, had Abel. Cain slew Abel. And then a hundred and thirty years or somewhere in there, even if it's a hundred years. But anyway, it was a hundred and thirty years after Adam disgraced, after he disobeyed. It took a hundred and thirty years for that nature of God to work its way out of him. For that image of God and that nature and mind of God to work his way out of him. Because everything he brought forth was before the fall was created in God's image. When they had Cain and Abel, Abel was of the promised seed. They still had a certain amount of that mind of God, that nature of God. Why it was not yet purged out of them. But after a hundred and thirty years, It said, and Adam brought forth a son in his image and in his likeness. Wasn't nothing about God in there. Wasn't nothing about God in there. What was it? A progression. A process. Little at a time. Little at a time. Man got away from God. Not just all at once. Not just all at once. What would be just and fair about God if when we disobeyed or messed up and made a mistake, God kicked us out and would have no mercy on us? Am I making sense to anybody tonight? I said, am I making sense to anybody tonight? (laughs) So over that period of 130 years, Adam brought forth a son after his image, after his likeness. You go back there and look at the bulletin board with my granddaughter on there, and you look at the picture of her daddy. But he had like a cookie cutter stamp. (laughs) 
If you could see a picture of me and my wife when we got married and before we got married, me and Christopher looked so much alike. Y'all can't see that now. Because there's another 100 pounds almost on me. Because <laughs> I used to be just like him, thin. I think me and Lisa got married, I weighed like 160 pounds. And there's almost another 80 stuck on there right now. <laughs> Which I'm getting rid of. I don't eat that much. But I'm going to tell you something. When you fall off a roof and scramble your insides, it takes a while to get things straightened out. But God's straightening it out, I can tell you. I said he's straightening it out. But y'all see what I'm saying? It took that long of that process of time. That long of that process of time for man to get away from that God nature. To get away from that God nature. And really alienate himself from God. You can say what you want to. We've had the word preached to us. We've received a certain measure of the spirit. But it has never progressed us. It has never progressed us. Into that place that God wants to take us into. All we've done is went to church and shouted and prayed and felt good, prayed good, read the word. But the second we got off our knees, the second we walked out of the house of God, the second we had to deal with the world, the carnal mind kicked in and it was a fight, the carnal against the spirit, the flesh lusting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And I'm tired of it and I believe God's tired of it. And I believe he wants to take us into that place that this body of sin will be destroyed, that we will be dead to sin. You won't wrestle sin uh, every day of your life. You won't wrestle the carnal. Uh, you won't want to uh, look at somebody uh, and say, well, if that's the way you feel, just step outside and I'll put my salvation off uh, and we'll duke it out. Uh, you won't have them thoughts. Uh, you won't have them feelings. Uh, you won't have to wrestle uh, your carnal mind and your carnal man. Uh, why? Uh, my God, there's a visitation uh, of the Spirit of God. Uh, and then Ephesians 1 and 10 Paul wrote about a dispensation of the fullness of times that's going to bring in everything that's been missing to bring God's people to the fullness of God this is the dispensation of the fullness of times and on December the 10th God said I am now at this time going to bring forth a chosen generation Hallelujah. A chosen generation. Now that I've got you thoroughly confused, I'm going to take you to Isaiah 53. You Bible scholars get your thinking caps on. Man, I feel good. Hallelujah. Just cause need a light bulbs to go off in anybody's head. 
Y'all beginning to see? See, man, we thought when, when, when Adam sinned, man, that was it. God just throwed him away. Why would he? That was his son. That was his son. Why would he just throw him away? I mean, my son's done some things that upset me, but I didn't throw him away. And Whitney's probably glad about now that I didn't. Now, I can't preach church doctrine to you because I don't know it. I've heard it, heard bits and pieces of it all my life. But I don't know nothing about it. But I've heard it preached all my life that Jesus' ministry would be seven years. Y'all heard that? Somebody tell me where that come from. I ain't never found it in the Bible. I ain't never been able to find, and I'm being honest, I ain't never been able to find where it said Jesus' ministry would be seven years. Anybody with me? How many of y'all heard that? You've been taught just about all your life that Jesus' ministry will be seven years, but I can't find no scripture for it. I can't find no scripture for it. Huh? Yeah, they try to tie it in with the 70 weeks, call it. It don't line up. <laughs> it don't line up. <laughs> Brother Harley, if you can find it, find it for me and get in, get in your studies. But I ain't never been able to find it. And I'm not a type and shadow preacher. I know preachers use type and shadows and do all. And I just ain't never been a type and shadow preacher. If you are, that's good. But God ain't just, God just ain't never put that in me. But I can tell you what God did tell me. And that's what I'll go by. Amen. Isaiah 53. Verse 8. He was taken from prison or oppression and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? Was he cut off from the land of the living? Yeah. Was he cut off in just a few years? Yeah. Nobody knows how long. Everybody said he preached three and a half years. Well, I don't know that he did. Because according to what the Lord showed me, he was born somewhere around May or June and died in April. So I don't know when he started this ministry. All I know is he died in April. The Bible said he'd been of the age of about 30. Well, if you go to the Jewish calendar, which the first month in the Jewish calendar is April, and the Lord visited Mary by the angel Gabriel in Nazareth in the sixth month. And you take April, May, June, July, August, September. She got visited somewhere in September right in there because the Jewish calendar is the middle of our April. So somewhere in the middle of September, 1st October. So you got October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June. So somewhere middle end of May, first part of June, Jesus was born. That didn't cost you nothing. 
Boy, y'all got quiet on me. <laughs> Figure it up yourself. Said he visited her in the sixth month. And then when she got up and went to Elizabeth, who was already six months, she walked in. The baby leaped in her womb because she had already conceived of the Holy Ghost. Because in the first month, God visited Elizabeth. In the sixth month, he visited Mary. Maybe y'all rather Brother Cromer priest. <laughs> and he was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. The Lord told me. He said it's not just going to be three and a half years. It's not just going to be seven years. He said, but it's going to be a period of 30 to 40 years of a sons of God ministry. 30 to 40 years of a sons of God ministry. Somebody is going to declare Jesus' generation. Somebody's going to put him on in his mind, in his nature, in his power, in his authority. There is a sons of God ministry being prepared right now. And it's not going to happen overnight, whether y'all realize it or not. All these trials we've been through, all these things God has been allowing to come on us, to purge things out of us. God is preparing you. He is preparing you to be born of His Spirit into a full-fledged Son of God. Hallelujah. Why, somebody has got to declare the generation of Jesus Christ. Somebody got declared. He was cut off in the land of the living. He was cut off. His generation stopped right there. But even if he hadn't have been cut off, it would have stopped naturally. Y'all realize Jesus' generation, the seed that had come from David, the seed that had come from Adam, all the way down through David, all the way down to Jesus was conceived. It stopped, that natural seed stopped with Jesus Christ. Why? Because he never married and passed it on. His generation will be a spiritual generation. I said his generation will be this chosen generation. It'll be this royal priesthood. It'll be this holy nation. Not up there, down here. Down here. Preaching, healing, delivering. Shaking this world for the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom gospel. Not just a gospel, but a gospel of power. A gospel of dominion. A gospel with power over all devils. All sickness. All disease. Dominion over the fish. The sea. The fowl of the air. And this gospel must first be preached. Into all the world. For a witness. Then shall the end come. Brother you don't believe Jesus will come just any time. No. And I hope you don't either. 
Oh, well, he's going to come just any time. And what my Bible says. And what my Bible says. You don't believe we're in the last days? Yes, I do. But I believe there's got to be a Jesus generation. I believe there's got to be a Jesus generation. Hallelujah. And it's a process. It's a process. Hallelujah. I'll throw this in free of charge. It won't cost you nothing. Acts the third chapter. Hallelujah. My God, I didn't know you could feel this good. <laughs> and preach too. <laughs> oh, man, I feel good. I got to hear somewhere. Y'all hang on. I got to get to the book of Acts. Well, I think it's in my Bible. <laughs> oh, by the way, I got a new Bible. I started this thing out with a brand new Bible. <laughs> Acts, the third chapter. Verse 19. Repent ye therefore and be converted. Man, y'all need to be changed. That your sins may be blotted out when the times, that word times the Lord told me in 1980, that word times means years. When the years of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heavens they got to receive him. They can't turn him loose. He can't come back until the years of the restitution of the restoring of all things. Until the years of reconciliation that me and you come to the knowledge of the word and the understanding that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Turning us around back to that relationship in Genesis. Back to that relationship the ministry of reconciliation, restoration, putting us back in that relationship has been given to us and we've done nothing with it. Well, my sins are forgiven. I don't want to be just repentant. I don't want to just have salvation. I want to be reconciled. I want to be reconciled, Brother Cromer. I want my place in God back. And the thing is, my wife said to me, she said, well, if Adam messed up, she said, I don't know if I want to go back there or not. I said, Adam messed up because he didn't have the knowledge that we have. Adam messed up because he ain't learned the warfare and the relationship with God that we are entered in. Adam didn't have to fight evil. We have fought evil. We have wrestled Satan. 
We have not wrestled flesh and blood, but we have wrestled the principalities and powers of the air. We have wrestled against spiritual wickedness in high places. We have fought against the rulers of darkness of this world and went against spiritual wickedness set in high places. We are equipped. We are equipped. Are you hearing me? We are equipped in this mind, in this warfare. God is equipping us so that when we are reconciled and that spirit of God that I've been longing for, that I've been telling y'all is on its way, by God, it will take us back in the presence of God. I may be going too far for some of y'all. I may be going too deep for some of y'all. I can't help it. I said, I can't help it. Whom the heavens must receive until the time of the restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. What has God talked about by all of his men and women of God ever since man fell? That's coming back to God. But he had to create that natural bloodline. Every time he got that bloodline and man, it was kicking along, everything's going good. Something mess up. You'd have almost start all over again. Finally got it all the way down to Joseph. I'm just going to mess with y'all a little more. Now, don't do it now. Go with me to Matthew, the first chapter. Don't do it now. You need to listen now because you sure enough missed something. Just make yourself a note. Man, if y'all can get a hold of this. If you can get a hold of the fact God ain't just throwed us away, he just didn't throw Adam away. God ain't throwed us away. You hear me? God ain't throwed us away. Pray God he's bringing us back. He restored. I said he's restored. Hallelujah. Look at what the very first few words of Matthew, the first chapter says in the first verse. The book... Of the generation, not plural, singular. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ. And then it goes and lists all the generations. Y'all with me? <laughs> Let me get where I want to be if I can find it. I'm looking for it, y'all. Hang on. It may not be right here. It may be somewhere else. But Oh, okay, verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14. From the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ, or from, from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14, and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14. You add that up. 
that gives you 42 generations. When you go back and figure it up, there's only 41. The 42nd generation stops with a natural bloodline of Jesus and becomes a spiritual bloodline. (laughs) Becomes a spiritual bloodline. Because it says of his kingdom, there shall be no end. And the government shall be on his shoulders. Jesus ain't producing natural sons and daughters. He's producing spiritual sons and daughters. He's producing spiritual sons and daughters. Some of you sitting right here hearing this word that is making perfect sense to you. And some of the very things that I brought out, you've wondered about it. Wondered why you've been like a round peg in a square hole. Couldn't fit in this generation. Didn't want to be a part of it. That when the Spirit of God got a hold of you, started changing you. By God, you you look back on things you used to do and wondered why you ever done them. Why you ever had any excitement or joy in them. Why? Because somewhere before the foundation of the world, you were predestined and foreordained to be conformed to his image. Are you listening to me? And we are told in Romans 12, be not conformed to this world, but be therefore transformed by the renewing of your minds. This is a process. This is a process. That word renew means to morph. Conform to be, means to be fashioned like. Hallelujah. And I like the way Brother Crowan put it last night. We've done our duties in the natural. We've done our fasting and prayer duties. But we ain't never done them in the love of God. We've done our praying and our Bible reading as our duties. But we ain't never done it because we loved Him with all of our hearts. We fulfilled our obligations as far as just fulfilling them. But we ain't done it because we love Him. When you come to the house of God because you love Him, you'll never be late. You'll be there to pray and you'll be there at the last amen if you really love God. When it comes time to worship, you will lift your hands and lift your heart forgetting about everybody else, not worrying about anything anybody's doing, and you will love Him in your worship. You will love Him in your praise. You will magnify Him out of the depth of your heart, knowing that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but will have everlasting life. For God can send not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You're going to lift your hands and praise him. You're going to love him for what he done for you. You're going to love him for saving your soul. You're going to praise him. You're going to magnify him. Not out of earthly duty, but out of the love of God. Hallelujah. And that's what's going to bring in holy worship. 
That's when you're going to worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's when you ain't going to have all these spirits in your heart. And all this mess in your spirit, worrying about what somebody's going to think of you, or what somebody's going to say about you. Somebody up here got to have a big air compressor hooked to you, trying to pump you up. You'll get to the house of God 30, 45 minutes and an hour early to get on your knees and enter into relationship in prayer because you love Him. You love Him. You love Him. And when it comes time to give in that offering, whether it be your tithes, whether it be an offering to the church, whether it be an offering to this vessel of God, you're going to go past them $1 bills. You're going to go past them fives. You're going to go past them tens. And you're going to reach in there and you're going to get God a worthy portion. Why? Because you're in love with Him. And you want to honor Him. You want to you wanna praise Him. And you're going to give it in love. You're going to give it cheerfully. You're going to give it with a rejoicing heart. You ain't going to give it begrudgingly. You ain't going to say, well, I'll give to this and it won't give to that. And Hallelujah. You're going to give because you love. And that vessel, there's something in them that's done something in your soul. Done something in your spirit. You have been blessed. And you are honoring God with what God God has blessed you with uh, according to his word, not out of obligation, but because you love him. Because you love him. You want to honor him. You want to praise him. You want to thank him. You can't outgive him. You can't outgive him. You can't outgive him. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians. I'm going to get in there. Hallelujah. I think I might have skipped a scripture. Hang on just a minute. Hallelujah. Yeah, go back to Romans 8 with me. Let's get to that one. Man, I love this 8th chapter of Romans. Verse 13. Y'all with me? Y'all just might as well stay in church. Might be a drunk driver out there got your number on the fender of his car. Might be the safest place to be. Verse 13. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. Man, what have we done? We have lived after what our flesh wanted to do. Don't you tell me you hadn't. We pray when flesh wants us to. We study when flesh wants us to. We come to the house of God when flesh wants us to. We get into prayer when flesh wants us to. We act like flesh wants us to. And I can tell y'all that in my flesh, there ain't no good thing. There's not. Ain't none in yours neither. 
And I think God's tired of my stinking thinking. And I know he's tired of the way I've been acting and the way I've been treating. I'm going to tell you something. Going in the new year, I'm going to treat my lover different. I'm going to treat my Savior different. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. I learned to love my wife. I love my wife, but I'm learning to love her deeper every day. I'm going to tell you, have that man reveal that mystery last night on that love of God and tied it in with a husband and wife that Paul talked about in Ephesians 5. My God, and the Spirit of God fell in here and that brokenness of God come down and people wept before the Lord and you could feel the tenderness of God pulverize your heart and you just feel love just seep down in you last night. At least I could. Do I love her? You better believe I love her. And I don't know how many times a day I tell her. The first thing I tell her every morning, last time, uh, last thing I tell her at night and every time in between I get a chance to tell her I love her. She knows I love her. I don't just tell her I love her. I show her I love her. I sure I love her. Why? I'm always doing something for her. If I've got an idea she wants anything and I can put my hands on the money to get it, I'll get it. I'll get it. Hardly a month goes by that she don't get flowers of some sort or a card. Me telling her how much I love her and appreciate her. Showing her. Amen. Showing her. Man, you got to Show the Lord affection. We quit showing the Lord affection. All we've told God is when he moves on us to pray, ain't got time, I'll get to you later. Have y'all not ever felt the Spirit of God woo your heart? Woo you into prayer? Woo you into a time of study of the Word? Woo you into a place where he had you all to himself? Why? He loves you. And he wants to bring you into that intimate place. But we won't let him. We won't let him. Because I I don't care who you are. You start praying. You start studying. You start talking to the Lord. Somewhere right back here. Your time clock's ticking. Your stopwatch is ticking. Because you got, you know, you got natural obligations. You know, you got natural obligations, and you know you're going to only allow yourself so much time. You're just going to cut it off. Shame on us. Shame on every one of us. What God's done for us, and we put Him on time constraints. Don't y'all tell me you don't do it to one another. Don't you tell me you don't do it to one another in the natural. I've done it to my wife, she's done it to me, knowing that i got something i got to take care of, and I'm trying to spend time with her, and that pressure's there, knowing that i got just a certain amount of time, and then i got to go take care of something. Or I'm telling myself i got to go take care of it. Anybody ever got down sick three or four days and couldn't do anything? Was the stuff you just thought you had to do still there when you got up four days later? But yet we make ourselves believe we just got to get it done. We just got to jump right in and get it done. And we cut off that relationship with the Lord. Cut off that prayer. I just got to get it done. 
like Brother Michael said, you take time to spend quality time with the Lord. If it's not but 30 or 45 minutes or an hour, just spend that time with Him till you feel that presence lift. Not when you feel like you've got to go. See, we don't like this kind of preaching because this gets down where we live. Well, Bible said if you live after the flesh, you're going to die. So if y'all want to keep living after the flesh, go ahead and die. Because you're headed for spiritual death. You're headed for spiritual death. Amen. And God's trying to stop us. God's trying to turn us around. He's trying to get in your way. You're like he got in Balaam's way. Well, take God getting your path. Don't get mad and God try to slow you down. For if we live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit or the Holy Ghost do mortify, put to death, crucify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. See, we ain't reached that place. We're led by the Spirit of God yet. Every time God starts leading us, all flesh gets in the way. Can anybody say amen? Can you say amen? Say oh me. Every time the Spirit of God starts leading us, just like I said, to pray or study, we put God on a stopwatch. Well, Lord, I'll give you 20 minutes. I'll give you 30 minutes. But you know, I got to go. I got things I got to take care of. I'm going to tell you, y'all would feel funny if God spoke back to you. I said, well, I'll tell you what things you got to take care of. I'll take care of them. Well, you won't have to take care of them. Well, God, I ain't got time to pray right now. You know I got to get to work. You feel funny if God said, well, I can take care of that too. I'll fix it. Well, you won't have to get to work. <laughs> don't make excuses. Well, you don't take time to have a relationship with God. Because I'm going to tell you something. God will move you excuses. And then he'll say, now what's your problem? Now what's your problem? Amen. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm as serious as I've ever been. Why? There is a Jesus generation. A Jesus generation. That God is preparing to bring forth on the face of the earth at this time. A chosen generation. A chosen generation. A holy nation, a royal priesthood, like him, like Jesus. I told the Lord when I gave my heart to him at 19 and I felt the call of God on my life, I said, make me different. Boy, did he ever. <laughs> I said, make me different, Lord. I said, I don't want to be like these preachers. I said, I won't be like you. I ain't interested in being like preachers. I said, I won't be like you. Make me different. Amen. I won't be like him. Why, he's my high priest. The Bible said there's a royal priesthood coming forth. There's a royal priesthood coming forth. 
Amen. A royal priesthood. Are y'all following with me? A royal priesthood. Hang on. Let me finish out where I'm at. Verse 18 of Romans 8. Let me just drop on down. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time, present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. See, we still can't get it in our heads that this glory of God is going to be revealed in us right here on this earth. That we're going to walk as he is right here on this earth. You ain't going to need it in heaven. We need him now. We need to become sons of God now. Amen? We need this now. Not 20 years from now, not further. We need this now. We need this now. And that love that man preached about last night is one of the greatest keys. One of the greatest keys. Man, he, and I don't know how he phrased it, but he kept talking about, Brother Crowley, you kept talking about either the power of intimacy or the intimacy that brought the power, one of the two. The intimacy of power. And I said, oh, my God. I said, here we have wanted the power of God. And the secret of the power of God is the intimacy with Jesus Christ. Being intimate with him. Being joined to him. Becoming a partaker of him. (laughs) Because when you become a taker of him, when you join to him, you become one with him. You become one with him. Amen. Can y'all see that? The power comes through intimacy. It don't just come through fasting and prayer. If it did, we'd have it. Amen. I've done my obligations in fasting and prayer. (laughs) I've done my obligations in Bible study. And I remember it was in the late 90s. My Lord, that just come back to my mind. It was in the late 90s, and I think I brought it out when I first started the church here. The Lord told me, he said, for years, he said, you have fasted and prayed and sought me for power to have miracles. And he said, I've honored. He said, now, he said, seek me for the love of God. Seek me for the love of God. He said, for by this shall men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one to another. Is that right? God's revealing himself to us. Amen. God's revealing himself to us. There is a sons of God ministry. You may not understand everything I've preached, you may disagree. That's your privilege. That's your privilege. But I'm telling you, we get him in us, we just get that seed in us. If that root's holy, everything it brings out is going to be somewhere. I remember when I, years ago, I think I preached it here in the church. But I took two limbs and y'all ever seen anybody graft anything in? And I took two limbs and I skinned them back on both, put them together and taped them together because the Lord told me he was grafting us in. 
you can take an apple tree that produces nothing but big yellow apples and you can graft it into a red delish apple tree and for the first few years the sap that is in that branch is still going to have some yellow tendencies in it. You might, in the first year, you might get a yellow apple off of that branch, but it ain't going to be nowhere on the rest of that tree. It's just going to be on that branch. Then it's going to purge that. You might get an orange apple. But somewhere, that branch that you grafted in is going to start producing them red apples. Why? Because the sap coming out of that root is finally going to integrate up in it. And it's going to bear what the root brings. It's going to bear what's coming up through it. So if we can get him in us and let him purge us, let him prune us, let him work on us. You don't bear the root. The root bears you. You don't bear the root. But if a root's holy, then somewhere everything else is going to become holy. Is that what the word says? If the root's holy, but see, we ain't let God purchase. We ain't let God purchase, Brother Wayne. We try to do it our way. We stuck with what we've been taught, what we've believed. We stuck with how we want to serve God. I'm gonna tell you: you ever get taught something, it's hard to get it out of your spirit. Amen. I've taught things, and I'll always go back to my wife. But she's sincere. When I started preaching, Brother Cromer was in the service, Sister Daniels. I preached on being born again that night. And I appreciate he stood up. Man, caused such a commotion. Brother Cromer stood up, told him, said, Look, man, ain't no confusion in the words. If you confuse, you're confused. The word there ain't no confusion in the word. He said the word was preached. But she went home, got out her Bibles, set up her laptop on the kitchen table, and for about a month, she went through everything. And every time something would come up, she'd say, if I was there, she'd say, well, Come here. And if I wasn't there, she'd call me on the phone. She said, now, this is what I've been taught. I said, but what's the word say? She said, well, the word don't say that. I said, you got to stick with what the word says. See what God's doing now, and that's what God's been trying to tell us. What's been revealed to us is not enough. It's not enough. When God spoke to me back in the 90s, about Joshua and this new generation. And God told me that like the Moses generation, Moses brought the children of Israel all the way to the banks of Jordan. But he didn't have what it took to take them over. It took a different generation. It took a different ministry. It took a different word. It took a different anointing to take them in to possess the kingdom. And it did to bring him to it. That's what the Lord told me. He said, what's brought you to the knowledge of the kingdom is not enough to take you in to possess the kingdom. My God, the preaching of the kingdom, most of us understand it. 
We can see it. We understand it. But how to possess it had never been imparted to us. If it had been, would have done it. Would have done it. Amen. Would have done it. Hallelujah. I got a Bible laying in there on my desk. Somebody go get it for me, please. It's my Bible I've been preaching out of up till now. And I'm just going to jump over to verse 28. I'm going to bring this to a close because I, I know I'm getting long. And y'all with me in Romans 8 and 28? For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose, whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed or fashioned like to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Amen. Y'all see that? Do you realize it or not? Before God ever formed some of you in the womb, he knew you. He's predestined to people. To put on the image of his son. They've been predestined. You might be one. You might not be. I don't know. I know I am. Because God told me I was. God told me in 89. He said I've chosen you. To be a son of God in these last days. He said I didn't call you to do anything else. He said I didn't call you to be a a husband. A father. He said that was your choosing. He said I put you on this earth for one thing. That's Bear the image of my son, be a son of God. That's what God told me. He said, your mama didn't have a boy because she had had three girls and was praying for a boy. He said, I spoke to your mother what to name you. And he said, I put you in your mama's womb. He said, you weren't conceived by flesh. You weren't conceived by blood. He said, you were conceived because I put you in there. You were born by my will. You were born by my will. Amen. You were born by my will. There's some of you here tonight. You were born by the will of God. You just didn't come into being because your mom and daddy come together. You were predestined and foreordained. And God spoke to Jeremiah in Jeremiah the first chapter. He said, before I formed you in your mama's belly, he said, I knew you. I knew you. Before God ever formed you in your mama's belly, young lady, he knew you. He sent that tent to Sheffield in 94. And it put something in her in 94. She never got away from it. Why? God's got a purpose for her life. God's got a purpose for some of your lives. You're predestined and foreordained to be conformed to the image of his son. These sons of God are being made ready. And this is going to be a year, if I know what I'm feeling, you're going to see a great and mighty visitation of the Holy Ghost take people into a place they've never walked with God before. We ain't going to wrestle this flesh every day. We ain't going to wrestle to pray. We ain't going to wrestle to seek God. 
You ain't going to get on your knees and get in prayer and then get up and go out of your prayer chamber and be bombarded by your carnal mind. There's a change. There's a change. There's a change. Amen. Oh, Steve, come here. I won't give you this, buddy. This is my preaching Bible. But you know I love you and appreciate you. You've been a great blessing to me. You really have. That's a Bible I've preached out of for about six months now. I've started to study the Word tonight. The Lord said, you, I had a new Bible down the drawer. He said, you get it out. I said, you give that to Brother Steve. Brother Steve been a great blessing and a help to me here doing a lot of things around this church. And the Lord told me to put that in his hands. And I believe it will be a blessing to him. A sons of God. There were sons of God in the beginning. The world, the whole creation is moaning, it's groaning, it's waiting. What are they waiting on? Another good preacher? No. No. Ain't what they're waiting on. Ain't what they're waiting on, children. It's right there in Romans 8 where I was just reading. It's right there in Romans 8 where I was just reading. Y'all bear with me. Verse 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of the creature. That's us. There's an earnest expectation in me. Waiteth for the manifestation, the revealing, the coming forth, the birth and the bringing forth of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity. We've been made subject to vanity. This flesh is subject to vanity. That's the reason we still got the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life in us. Whether you think you do or not, it's still there to a certain degree. Oh, yeah, it is. Yes, it is. You can see it in your clothes. You can see it in shoes. You can see it in the way you wear your hair. You can see it in the way you carry yourself. Certain things around your house. There's nothing wrong with being neat. I believe in being neat. I believe. I, and I look around sometimes. I say, God, I can't truck with this generation. I can't come to church and have my shirt tail hanging out down to my knees. I just can't do it. I see some of these preachers on TV and they're wearing blue jeans. Got their shirt tail out. Wearing a sport coat and no sloppy shirt. Got their shirt tail out. I said, good God of mine. I said, I wonder what my congregation would do if I walked out in the pulpit in blue jeans, cowboy boots, had my shirt tail out to my knees. I said, they'd probably stand up and say, what would you do with our pastor? <laughs> Where's our pastor? 
Any of y'all ever been in a courtroom? Been in a courtroom? You ever seen them bring somebody that's facing some serious time into the courtroom, like a, a man? But that man might have been in that jail cell. He might have been out on that street. He might have been sloppy. But, buddy, when he comes in that courtroom, he is dressed. That hair is cut. It is combed. That shirt is pressed. They...